week on Hollywood Unfiltered. Number one trending video making waves, a dethroned box office champ, and the new Scream movie reviewed. This is Hollywood Unfiltered, hosted by Dana Buckler and Brandon Lou here. Okay, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio platform. My name is Dana Buckler. My name's Brandon Lou here. And as always, we are thrilled that you're taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Now, today we have a jam-packed show. We've got some headlines, we've got the box office report, and then we've got an in-depth review of Paramount Pictures' latest theatrical release, Scream, or as I'm calling it, Scream 5. But before we get into all of that, I have to ask, Brandon, how are you? How's your weekend going? Yeah, Dana, I'm doing well. Thank you. I hope you are too. There's a lot to talk about this week. Firstly, however, I just wanted to acknowledge that we're recording this show on January 17th, 2022. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I just wanted to take this moment to pay our respects to the man, the myth, the legend himself, who reminded us and continues to remind us that we ought not to live in a world where people are judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And now by the time the audience hears this, many of you will all have already enjoyed your extra Monday off, but... Consider just spreading a little extra love, a little extra kindness and fun this week in honor of the great, the late, great Dr. King sacrifice. How you doing, Dana? I'm doing good. And I just want to second everything you just said there. So thank you for thank you for bringing that up. It's a perfect way to start the show. I'm doing good. Brandon, it's been, you know, crazy weekend for all of us. Lots going on. So let's let's jump into it. Let's talk about some headlines. We'll start with you first, Brandon. What's trending? What's on your radar? Yes, sir. So attention, Netflix users, attention. It was reported that the streaming giant will be raising its prices in the U.S. and Canada on most of its subscription tiers. The price increase announced last week will see the Netflix standard plan go up by $150. That's their most popular plan. And other tiers going up between $1 and $2, respectively. The streamer is looking to generate revenue from a slower growing base of customers. Now, on the Netflix customer support site, it says that new prices are applying to new members only for now but will gradually take effect for all current members. And Netflix stock price rose nearly 3% on the news of the price increase, which comes after nearly 13% drop last month and concern over intensifying competition in the streaming wars. I'm going to say this real quick. I know we're just going to do a little bit of commentary on a couple of these stories, but I have to say, Brandon, what's your breaking point for Netflix as far as at what point do you say that's too much? I'm not paying this. I'm not paying any more money. What's your breaking point? I think 1999, which is what the new price of the premium tier is, which you get you get four, so you can watch up to four separate streams, and there are some little extra benefits. But I would say, for me personally, as a solo individual, I would say somewhere around fifteen to twenty dollars for any streaming service, assuming, presuming it has enough value, it's providing enough values. That's that's my limit because we have to think like adding all of the streamers up. We all have multiple streaming platforms. We all pay for multiple streaming platforms. Kind of the argument used to be. You could have all the streaming services and it would still be cheaper than having a cable plan. I'm trying to keep it in that vein. I'm paying more than I did for basic cable at this point between all the different streaming services. So uh, this is going to be interesting. There's going to come a time where I'm going to have to make the decision on which ones I'm going to back off. Right now, all I can tell you is that HBO Max and YouTube Premium, 
those will be the last two I drop if I have to drop any. So well, I've got a headline that I want to bring up real quick here, and that is that The Matrix Resurrections topped the Chinese box office with $8 million. That is more than the movie made in its initial domestic release. It makes And it makes me wonder how much further this film's going to go theatrically. And it also begs the question of how much money Spider-Man would have made if it would have had a Chinese release. Very interesting conversation to be had there. Yeah, we'll still have to see. I think the, the, the jury's still out on whether or not Spider-Man will be coming to China too, right? I mean, yeah, China, well, China and Hollywood are really not on good terms these days. I feel like they're, it's all Chinese propaganda films is what they're looking to release. Well, it's an interesting thing it's a, it, when it comes to the China relationship with Hollywood. Uh, right now, China has said no to Disney's Marvel. However, as you know, Spider-Man is a Sony property. So there, it, it looks like it's going to happen. And by my estimations... Yeah, probably going to add a couple hundred million to it. So it is conceivably possible that Spider-Man No Way Home does eclipse the elusive two billion mark worldwide. But from what I understand, Spider-Man No Way Home is going to see its digital release on February 28th. Now, that's probably going to be a premium video on demand, $20 purchase, but that's going to open it right up to, to piracy. As we all know, something no one ever likes to talk about. But the fact of the matter is, if Sony wants to make any money from the Chinese box office, they had better get it into the theater before February 28th, because once the 28th hits, it's done. It's not going to make any money in China because the piracy is going to overtake all of it. Well, good luck to all movies being released in China. Well, in other news, Alec Baldwin turned over his iPhone to investigators last week in relation to the tragic shooting on the set of the film Rust. We've been talking about this for months. It had been nearly a month since the investigators obtained the warrant and Baldwin surrendered the phone to law enforcement in New York where he resides. They will then download the data to be given to the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. We actually have a clip here taken from Mr. Baldwin's Instagram account where he directly addresses some of the inevitable controversy around sur the surrendering of his phone. Uh, one other quick note, any suggestion that I am not complying with requests or orders or demands or search warrants about my phone, that's bullshit. That's a lie. This is a process where one state makes the request of another state. Someone from another state, from another state can't come to you and say, give me your phone. Give me this. Give me that. They can't do that. They've got to go through the state you live in. That is a process that takes time. They have to specify what exactly they want. You can't just go through your phone and take... You know, your uh, your photos or your love letters to your wife or what have you. I, I really don't uh, know. But, <clears throat> but of course, we are 1,000% uh, uh, going to comply with all that. We're, uh, you know, perfectly fine with that. And, uh, but the, um, uh, um, as I always say, consider the source, you know, the people that tell you that, you know. You know, that's really interesting. Um, so, you know, if he's like he said, he's, you know, he's been fully cooperating, you know, a thousand percent, whatever. Um, I'm curious why it took so long to to hand that phone over. But that's, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we've been following this story for a couple of months now, and, you know, we'll continue to look at it as the updates come in. But, you know, I just think it's interesting that, you know, maybe there was other stuff on his phone he wanted to get rid of before he surrendered it. <laughs> who knows? Hey, look, we'll, who knows, we'll never man. Know. I remember it was got back in 2016 when 
when Prince passed away. And I was lucky enough to see him in concert in 1997. And it was arguably one of the greatest concerts that I've ever seen in my life. And it was, you know, it was sad when he passed away. He had a lot more to give us. But it was interesting because I just read the the, the latest headline that his estate is now valued at $156 million, which is quite a bit more than what it was while he was still alive. And that just kind of goes back to you know, the the longevity of an artist's career long past uh, or, or uh, the longevity of an artist's career after they pass away. I believe it was Michael Jackson's estate quadrupled in value after he passed away. So, you know, it's just very fascinating. But I wanted to just mention this particular headline because, God damn it, I miss Prince. I miss his music so much. And it was just a shame that we lost him so early. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm truly envious in a good-hearted way that you got to see Prince live. I, that's that's an artist I would have loved to have seen, uh, and I I des- I miss him too. I'm, I'm I love his music. I'm a big fan, and that just goes to show that, like you said, the power and the impact that that he as a man and an artist had that that his the legacy goes on and continues to grow even after his passing. Rest in peace, Prince. Now, this year's entertainment award season is in full swing. Variety's posted their official 2022 Academy Award nominations predictions for all awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Actress, and Best Director, along with all the others, of course. Now, this year's awards will represent an important milestone for all award shows and indeed live broadcasts coming out of the pandemic era, especially considering the lackluster and audience-less Golden Globes last week which is also considered one of the industry's most prestigious and important nights. We will have to see moving forward with this year's Academy Awards if there's any weirdness with it or if it's going to be business as usual. We'll have to see. What do you think, Dana? Yeah, no, I, I'm just going to... I'm literally just taking a wait-and-see approach on this one. I, I don't know. It's this... <laughs> if if this award season has taught me anything is that, uh, you know, we can't predict anything at this point. So I'm, I'm definitely taking the wait-and-see approach. Well, yeah, check out if you want to if you want to see the full list, you can go to variety.com. You can just Google uh, Oscar 2022 predictions. You could find lists and uh, check it out. There's some underdogs there's some controversial picks, so it's cool. We'll have to see what happens now. Finally, to wrap up our headline segment, Saturday Night Live's latest cold open has been making waves across the Internet like Shamu swimming through the metaverse. The sketch has been trending number one on YouTube and other social media platforms for the better part of the week and garnering many articles across entertainment publications. The sketch was praised for slamming President Joe Biden and Spider-Man and for many people was a refreshing return back to poking fun at all sides of the political spectrum, not just the right. You saw the you saw this uh, this sketch, Dana. I want to just put it. I just want to take you through my first experience. I woke up Sunday morning, brewed a cup of coffee. And, you know, what's great about Saturday Night Live now, well, actually, let me let me let me backtrack that a little bit, because Saturday Night Live, as you know, has been struggling for for a few years now to really regain that uh, prestigious uh, title that it once held. Mm. But I am still someone who every morning will wake up and will watch Saturday Night Live. So uh, Sunday morning, woke up, had some coffee. 
hit the play button. And, you know, I said, okay, it's a cold open. The cold open is going to be Joe Biden. And, you know, he's, you know, they're going to poke fun at his, uh, his press conferences and the guy playing him, the, the, the new, the new, the new cast member that's playing him is doing a great job. And when he blamed the spread of Omicron on everyone seeing Spider-Man No Way Home, I did a legit spit take with my coffee. I was not ready for that. And that was easily the funniest sketch that I have seen all year long on this season of Saturday Night Live. Uh, let's just play a little clip of here just so that so the listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you really just blame the entire spread of Omicron on people seeing Spider-Man? I did. Yes. Next question. <laughs> so you think all COVID will end if people stop going to the movies? I, did, I didn't say don't go to the movies. I said, stop seeing Spider-Man. <laughs> See anything else. I saw the first half hour of House of Gucci. That's more than enough movie for anyone. Is this theory based on any kind of data? Yes, everyone in America has seen Spider-Man like eight times. <laughs> everyone in America also has COVID. Stop seeing Spider-Man. Have you seen Spider-Man? I couldn't get tickets. And I'm on the Stubbs A-list. Jill and I tried to go last night. They only had one seat left in the front row. What was I supposed to do? Make Jill go see Encanto alone? While I sit two inches from the screen like this? Stop seeing Spider-Man. All right, but what about experts who say that the real problem is a lack of testing? Oh, they've tested Spider-Man. It's got 98% on au gratin potatoes. He meant testing for COVID. You want to know if you have COVID? Look at your hand. Is it holding a ticket that says you recently went to see Spider-Man? If so, then you have COVID. All right, well then, what about the other problems facing America, like inflation? Spider-Man. Oh man, dude! I, this is like the second or third time I'm listening to this, but it really is just as funny. I I, I alluded to this before, but I, I am in the group of people who feel like this was really a refreshing return. This is what Saturday Saturday Night Live needs. I've always been a big fan of the show. I also have been in the. I also recognize that there was they were struggling of the last few years. Some some of the last few years was funnier than others. However. This really was refreshing. It, 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 I'm glad. I, w- I want everybody to be able to make fun of everybody. That's the whole point of comedy. That that everyone can, we can all take some time and just laugh at shit. And this was truly like it really was. I I watched this Dana. I saw it was trending. I saw it was trending all over the news articles. And as soon as I watched, it, I immediately thought of you. I really did. I was just I was imagining you laughing your ass off watching them slam Spider Man and and all that shit too. Well, of course, there were so many layers to that sketch on a personal level that I just thought was hilarious. He's just, he says, stop seeing Spider-Man. Just stop yeah. seeing Spider-Man. <laughs> I was kind of yelling at the TV like, okay, I'm with you. I'm not going to watch Spider-Man. But it was just what what worked about that sketch. And I'm not going to get into the politics of the pandemic because that's not what we do on this show. But work what worked with the sketch was. It worked on so many different levels because over the past year, you know, there's been so many ups and downs with the pandemic. We we thought we saw the finish line so many times and and President Biden was always like, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we'll be fine and blow. So the the underlying you know subtext of this sketch was 
this poor guy can't catch a break when it comes to COVID. And his new his new strategy was to stop, you know, hundreds of millions of people from seeing Spider-Man. And that is going to end the pandemic. It was hilarious. I've probably watched it three times myself. I absolutely loved it. I'm really, I, you know, so I wanted to add quickly, you know, there there is he, uh, the gentleman who plays President Joe Biden now, James Austin Johnson. He's actually, he's a, a new featured player on Saturday Night Live. And he really, he, he's... He's made a good impression, I think. So I'm looking forward to seeing what what the what the whole cast and crew does over there at Saturday Night Live. I'm hoping they do shift again more more towards balanced and not just hammering one side of things, you know. Yeah, and not to not to leave the right out of this. That same gentleman you just mentioned does a phenomenal Donald Trump as well. So yes. that might be an absolute first for Saturday Night Live, where you have one person who can play legitimately play both sides of the spectrum perfectly to a T. So I definitely recommend everyone go to YouTube, just type in SNL. It'll be the first video that will show up in your search results. It's definitely worth your time. So Brandon, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about this week's box office. So you're listening to Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Fun for Life Radio on Dash where the dress code is always clothing optional. All right, we are back. This is Hollywood Unfiltered. I'm Dana. I'm joined, as always, with Brandon. And Brandon, we've got lots to talk about when it comes to the box office. I wondered myself how long Spider-Man No Way Home's run at first place was going to last. Well, it looks like it was about four weeks because finally something else has dethroned the biggest movie of 2021 and arguably one of the biggest movies of all time. Did you, were you surprised to find out that scream of all movies was the one that would dethrone Spider-Man? I'm a little surprised admittedly just a little bit, not, not blown out of the water, shocked, but there's a new reigning champ and I'm happy to see four weeks. That's, that's long enough as like, you know, as I said, people need to stop seeing Spider-Man, like President Joe Biden said. So I'm glad that we have a new uh, number one spot. And it did pretty well this weekend, too. It, it, it beat Spider-Man by a healthy margin, I must say. Yeah, all things considered, the uh, new imagining of Scream, it's just being called Scream. This is what we're doing now with requels, which we'll get into in our actual review of the film. Uh, but they, there's been a lot of this, just bring it back and just call it by the original name. So the, for those who don't know, this Scream movie is the fifth Scream movie in the franchise. And I'm going to go a little more in depth in our review, but it did come in with an impressive uh, $30 million, uh, projected to do about 36 over the holiday weekend. And of course, coming in at number two was Spider Man No Way Home with another impressive haul of $20.8 million or $26 million projected over the four day weekend. I'm going to admit, I still haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home. I might be the only one in America who hasn't seen this film. Now, is it blasphemy that I saw Scream in the movie theater before Spider-Man No Way Home, which has been out for a month? I don't know. You know, history will. I don't know if history is going to be kind to me on that one. You know, here's an interesting one about third place. Third place was Universal and Illuminations Sing 2. Now, that brought in $8.3 million. Now, why is that particularly interesting to me? Well, the movie's available on premium video on demand now, which means you could stay home and pay 20 bucks to rent this movie. But at least, you know, uh, I'd say by my math here, at least 
800,000 people saw this movie in the theater over the weekend. So that's pretty interesting. Now, a movie that's opened up last weekend that's just going to come and go, the 355, is in a battle with the Kingsman. Uh, the King's Man, excuse me, is in a battle with the King's Man for fourth place with both films earning $2.3 million. And uh, the, according to Variety, it says, look for the King's Man to come out on top with the four, with the, when the four-day weekend results are out. I want to see the King's Man. I have zero interest in the 355. Your thoughts? I've really been dying to see the King's Man since I first saw the, I think I saw the first trailer for it myself when we, when we reviewed Dune. I just thought it looked really entertaining. The 355, I have no concept of other than like some of the posters. I have no idea what it's even about. Not too interested, although, yeah, I think The King's Man. If, if I had to choose between those, it would be easily The King's Man. Now, as far as the box office for the rest of the month, there's really nothing more. So I think Scream, maybe on some positive word of mouth, probably dominates the box office next weekend. As uh, as you're aware, Morbius has been pushed to to uh, April or May of this year. Interesting that more studios didn't push their releases. As of right now, Warner Brothers says that the Batman's release date of Friday, March 4th is still a go. So, I mean, the only movie that's really coming out between now and then is the new Jackass movie, which... <laughs> I'm sorry. I will see in the theater. That's just who I am. I'm I'm ex- I'm stoked as fuck to see the new Jackass movie. Thank you for reminding me about that. Okay, awesome. So why don't we uh, take one more quick little break and we're going to come right back and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this week's number one movie at the box office scream. You're listening to Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Fun for Life Radio. Because as seasons come and seasons go, fun will always be in fashion. All right, and we are back, Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio. My name is Dana. I am joined, as always, by Brandon. Brandon, we both went to the movies this weekend. I am what you would call a completionist. I have seen every Scream movie in the movie theater since the first one came out in 1996. I just want to briefly tell everybody that seeing Scream in 1996 as an 18-year-old really was a game-changing event. For those who aren't really aware, horror movies were, you know, they're always been around. But the 80s was sort of the king of the slasher films. The early 90s saw a real downgrade in, I will even say, the quality of horror movies. And they were getting a little stale. And it was almost to the point where studios, which, you know, horror was always sort of the surefire bet. You can always make money on the horror movie. They kind of backed off a little bit. Along comes Kevin Williamson, who wrote an amazing screenplay. They got the master of horror himself, Wes Craven, on board and produced one of the greatest horror movies of all time. So I will ask you this, Brandon, before we talk about Scream, the new Scream, or as I'm going to refer to it, Scream 5, I want you to sort of take me through your experience seeing the first Scream film and and your thoughts on the film and uh, does it still hold up for you? Yeah, so in preparation, I did rewatch the original Scream from 1996 and Scream 4. From what I understand, you mentioned that these two films are really the ones you want that if you were before going into Scream 5, you kind of want to revisit these as far as continuity. Now, I hadn't seen the original Scream in so long. So revisiting it was like watching it for the first time. And Dana, I honestly had so much mother effing fun, more than I could have ever anticipated rewatching this movie. And it really was watching for the first time because I realized after the fact that I was completely blending the plots of Scream 1 
and Scary Movie one, which for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> is the parody version. You know, most people do know that, which also changed the game in its own right, really, for that matter. But yeah, but I, I just had them confused in my head. So it worked out that I forgot like a lot of what actually happened. So I just was I was shocked and surprised like I had just seen it for the first time. One thing I do wish, though, in regard to the original film is that I was old enough to get a feel for how groundbreaking and game changing it was for the industry as a whole. Like I have no I have no concept nor even the ability to conceptualize a time where the whole meta commentary style wasn't fucking everywhere. Arguably overdone in this day and age, but the original movie was the start of that, correct? Like were there any other examples? Well, no, uh, no, no, I'm glad you brought that up, Brandon. I'm glad you brought that up. Most people credit Scream as really introducing sort of that meta commentary on, you know, the self-aware horror movie. It knows exactly what it is. And, you know, it's playing games with the audience. But the reality is that this actually happened two years earlier. And interestingly enough, it was the same director. See, in 1994, Wes Craven wrote and directed a movie called Wes Craven's New Nightmare, in which the characters of the Nightmare on Elm Street, original Nightmare on Elm Street film, are are played by the, the real actors, meaning that Heather Langenkamp plays herself. She was the she was the actress that played Nancy in the original film. She plays herself and they and her and her husband and and all the characters from the original Nightmare on Elm Street are are played by the real actors. And they live in a world where the Nightmare on Elm Street films exist and Freddy comes into the real world. And it's again not done as well as Scream, but it was sort of the first introduction to a self-aware meta horror movie. It was basically Wes Craven's rough cut for what would become Scream. So was it purely then the success of Scream itself that garnered the credit for this yeah. sort of new revolution? It was purely just the one one film was less successful than the other? Yeah, so Wes Craven's new nightmare uh, is arguably the... Well, I mean, I'm an Elm Street uh, enthusiast, fanatic. I know the films inside and out. I would say that the general consensus is that the three best Nightmare on Elm Street films are part one, part three, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, I think the number two film would back and forth between part three and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. People, uh, you know, Wes Craven's New Nightmare wasn't successful when it came out mm. because it was completely different from the actual franchise films, but history has been extremely kind to that film. But to, to the short answer to your question is yes, it was the mammoth success of the original screen, which actually made more money its second, third and fourth weekend. than it did its opening weekend because it was propelled by ridiculous word of mouth. I didn't see the film, until its fourth week of release, people were just talking to me. Have you seen this Scream movie yet? You got to see it. It's going to change your life. And they were correct. But yes, the short answer is, yeah, uh, Scream was wildly successful. Thus, it is credited with sort of creating this meta commentary. Now, as we head more towards reviewing the newer film, before we get to that, I, I have not yet gone back to watch Scream 2 or 3. I've never actually seen those. I don't think. Scream 2 or 3. Why is it that those two films are, for all intents and purposes, irrelevant to the to Scream 5 when it's sort of Scream 1, Scream 4, and then Scream 5? What's up with that? 
Well, I wouldn't necessarily say they're irrelevant, but when it comes to Scream 5, they're certainly not referenced. There are a couple references to events that happened in Scream 4, which came out in 2011, but I, I certainly wouldn't call them irrelevant. However, there is an interesting, when you look at parts two and parts three, part two came out a couple years afterwards. And, and by the way, not to go all over the place here, I'm going, I'm forking in 16 different directions, but lest we forget that Scream had a number of knockoffs, homages, and one could even say ripoffs uh, in the years that followed. So we're talking about, I know what you did last summer, the faculty, Halloween H2O. I mean, the list goes on and on. So Scream 2 was a really, really good sequel to the movie. Scream 3 was rushed into production. Scream 3 was not even written by Kevin Williamson. They, you know, uh, Dimension Films, which owned the rights, they, they fast-tracked the third sequel, and it is it is arguably the worst of the five films. So the fact that it's not referenced in the new movie is probably, you know, on purpose. I mean, there's a quick reference to part two. I don't want to get into spoilers for Scream, the new Scream movie, but there's a quick reference to Jamie Kennedy's character uh, not surviving uh, Scream 2, which is, you know, unfortunately what happens in the film. But spoilers for a 25-year-old movie. But that, I think that's why uh, I say that if you haven't seen any of the movies and you want to see this one, watch one, four, and five. You can skip two and three. Even, but don't skip two. If you've pressed for time, skip two. But if you've got time, watch them all. They're interesting. Yeah, I was talking to my cousin about you know what, what interesting thing like in the in the research and the polling of people that we usually do before. I found that. With people, even with within people who are movie fans or horror fans, this franchise, the Scream franchise in particular, is one that seems to really have a special place in in most people's hearts. So much in that I've heard people saying like, the they love every film in the franchise. There's not one that they don't, including the new one that they don't they don't love, which I think is yeah. cool. There's not there's not too many, especially in horror, as we've seen like you alluded to with Halloween and and even Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. Once you get past sequel two three four five six seven eleven fifteen like it starts uh, every once in a while the quality starts you lost you start to lose something but this in this case yeah from what i hear this is really a solid uh franchise all the way through um and the the, the new one was a lot of fun and i had a lot of fun seeing it in the theater should we get right into talking about the new one then yeah we should we should absolutely talk i'll give you my initial impression and then we'll get a little more detailed about the film but i do want to i don't want anyone to turn this off this is going to be a spoiler free review of the movie because uh, even the poster for scream 5 the tagline is the killer is on this poster <laughs> it has all the characters on there so it scream is a classic whodunit um so what did I initially think of the movie? Well, my expectations were a little bit higher than I think they needed to be going into this film. And one of the reasons I, I was a little excited for this film was they're not churning these things out every other year. It has been 11 years since the last Scream film. So I think that's brilliant in the sense of, you know, you let enough time go by and you build that anticipation. This is why I saw this opening weekend and I haven't seen Spider-Man yet. But I will say that I think my expectations were set a little too high. And I left the theater with a, yeah, that was fine. That was okay. That was good. 
Um, I had a friend of mine reach out to me and tell me that this was the most gory and the most violent of the films. And I was expecting something far, far worse. Now, there was some violence in this movie. Don't get me wrong. There was some severe violence in the film, but I found it to be completely on par with the other Scream movies. So basically, you know, if you can handle the level of violence in Scream 1 through 4, you're going to have no problem with this film. Uh, I found the new characters to be, some of them were interesting, some of them were a little flat, and, you know, why, you know, the sequels work, why Scream 2 works is because most of the characters, the surviving characters from the first Scream carry over to Scream 2, and they've they've had more character development. There was a little bit of a lack of character development for the new characters. Now, the legacy characters, the David Arquette, the Courtney Cox, the Nev Campbell, I would have loved to see more Nev Campbell. I don't want to say anything more than that. And uh, I would have loved to see more David Arquette. So I'm going to give this a perfect down the middle. It's average at best. And I'm not in a hurry to revisit it. I'm in a similar boat as you. I had very high, like absurdly high expectations, higher than they should have been. To be fair, though, I was just a couple hours off of revisiting the original scream like i said and was just had so much fun like my hype level was was up there because of that and had fun with scream 4 too it was back to back to back i watched all these movies uh i was also bracing myself because you warned me for more gore uh i mean there were some shot i mean there were some shots of of knives and neck that were pretty fucking close up that were like you know they didn't leave anything to the imagination however i was pleased to see that it was less just gruesome and it was more in line with the other movies there there was definitely more brutality in Halloween kills than there is in in this film not to say this one doesn't earn its R rating it certainly does uh, but definitely uh, I found Halloween kills to have some more squeamish uh, uh, pardon the pun kills yeah. so yeah without without question without question this is not nearly as brutal now as far as scream 5 I had I did almost I had almost as much fun as I did with the original scream partially because of the hype it was fun seeing it in theaters. It definitely wasn't the same magic as I felt rewatching the ninety six the nineteen ninety six film. But before I actually jump in to share my thoughts on the film, I just wanted to tell you, Dana, and the li- I want to share it with the listeners to an awkward little situation that happened to me like minutes before the trailer started. So, you know, I picked out my seat as one does on the app, you know, and I. I as cl- I picked as close to the exit and away from other people as I can. Basic one on one stuff, right? This show, I was lucky. I got exactly that. I was all the way like back left of the theater next to the exit back row. Fucking perfect. So I walked in. I kind of walked up the stairs, turned to my seat, and I just see two people sitting in my row, a young lady and a young man, you know, young gentleman. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay. Like at first I'm thinking like this is going to be awkward, but what made it worse was when I realized that like the, what I was blatantly I was and what I was he, everyone saw me blatantly looking at was the fact that the gentleman had already had like strewn his jacket across his lower half staring at me with the kind of like disappointment that that like a used pair of socks for Christmas would bring and so so we stared at each other all three of us for a moment that seemed to stretch longer than the length of the screen right before us and they almost dared me with their eyes to sit down and ruin what we all knew would have been a sticky situation. Uh-huh. Whoa, was that over the line? Was that over the line? 
No, no, it was fine. It was just over the pants. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, we all stared at each other for another moment when I finally very politely, very respectfully sat my ass down right next to him and looked him in the eye and said, hey, sorry for cramping your style, but two shows for the price of one. You can't beat it. But then I realized actually that was wrong because what they were trying to do was beat it. So anyways, they immediately they immediately got up and moved. I have no idea where to didn't see. But all I do know is that the gentleman kept his jacket strewn close to his nether region on the waddle to find another seat. So that was that was my I got I got a pre show before the main show it was great. And then I got the whole road to myself. It was classic win win win. I had a similar incident happen uh, with Todd Phillips Joker movie in 2019. My then girlfriend was sitting to my right and there was a couple uh, two seats down and she politely whispered into my ear. "Um, We need to move seats now. Things are getting a little out of control, but I would like to put a PSA, a public service announcement out there to anyone who is thinking of partaking in those extracurricular activities at the movie theater. Most people probably don't know this, but every, at least in the big chains, AMC, Regal, Cinemark, United Artists, you name it, every one of those movie theaters has cameras in them and they are set up with night vision cameras, meaning that they know what's going on. So the next time that you and your significant other want to get a little, quote, frisky in the movie theater, just remember that there is a better than average chance that A, it's being recorded and B, someone's probably watching you. So just keep that in mind. I got that tip from a friend of mine who used to manage a movie theater and the stories he told me were shocking. So just keep that in mind. Well, I appreciate the warning and the reminder. I'm I'm liable to get a little frisky in the movie theater here and there, but in 2022, I don't want to end up on the internet, you know, with some uh, night vision movie theater cam upload. Well, anyway, so we got we got a little bit off there, but uh, you know, uh, let's get back. Getting back to the movie, I really I thought the movie was incredibly enjoyable. I I'm I'm happy they brought back the legacy characters, which they made fucking sure that they let you know they did in the movie itself. <laughs> I was I was definitely ripe and ready to watch it. Like you know, like I said, I was hyped. Uh, I. Literally, I just watched a couple of them hours before to the theater. So it really everything was fresh in my mind. I thought that it did what it was supposed to do, which from my perspective was to pay homage to Wes Craven and the franchise he built. It absolutely did that. And, you know, again, a, like a lot of people agree that this whole franchise is one of like as far as it's standing on its own as a whole, all of the pieces, it's really one of the stronger franchises in the horror genre. Um, and they're all like, yes, I fucking love them. I, I love the new one. I want to fuck another one in 2023, bitch. Let's go chop chop. So I'm proud to say now I'm, a, I'm officially a huge fan of the Scream franchise more than I ever thought I would have been if you would have asked me even just a few weeks ago. Uh, I really I really am like I, I loved I loved having so much fun with these films now getting into just a little bit about the film and again, I'm going to keep this very, very spoiler free. Um, You know, we talked about how the original Scream was very meta and very self-aware, and that has been the case for every subsequent Scream movie, including this one. My complaint with this one is I think they almost tried too hard to tell the audience that we're meta. Now, that could be because it's been 11 years since the last film. And, you know, let's be honest, who goes to horror movies more than anybody else? Teenagers. 
So with so much content out there, perhaps the producers and the writer and the director were thinking, well, there's probably a good chance that a lot of people haven't even seen Scream 4 or a Scream movie. Hence why they'll just hence why they just call it Scream instead of Scream 5. Um, so I'm of the mindset that they might have gone a little too on the nose with the the meta commentary, uh, kind of like the Matrix was self-aware. This one was self-aware in overdrive, which I thought they could have eased back on that just a little bit. But I will, you know, end my thoughts on the film by saying if you're a fan of the franchise, it does what you're expecting it to do. Just like you said, you know, it gets in, it does its job, it gets out. It does drag a little bit in the second act of the film, but that is quickly eclipsed by the the finale of the movie. And look, I'll admit there were a couple moments in where I was like, oh, <laughs> but I did call. <clears throat> this is going to be incredibly interesting. You know, uh, uh, I did call who the killer was. I'm just going to say that I called it about an hour into the movie and I'll just leave it at that. Well, you're you're more of a Sherlock's home. You're more of a Sherlock Holmes than me because I, I did not get it. I didn't figure it out till the end, although I don't try that hard with those movies. I like to be surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you in regard to the oh, really if there I had one complaint, it was the over the top meta commentary. It was I feel as though the phrase itself meta commentary is almost an understatement for what they did. It was almost like an instruction manual on how to be meta commentary. That was it was it, that that really is I feel a, a relatively good metaphor for that. It was an instruction manual on how to be and how to pay homage. It was almost like you could almost make the argument that them being over the top meta was part of the meta. You know what I mean? Like that was part of it too. So it's, I don't know. There was there was that element. I did feel it was particularly in the third act where I felt like I was getting slapped over and over in the face with like just like okay, this is what we're doing. We're telling you what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Like I I did feel like they could have maybe they could have a couple less drops of that in the recipe, but I don't I say that not in the sense of it diminishes the movie or my enjoyment of it just purely like I think I again what kind of you alluded to it could have been done a little more subtly absolutely absolutely but I think I'm just going to go ahead and uh, I'll end my 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 review with a it's a mild recommend a definite recommend for scream fans but just for the average movie goer if you're looking for a horror movie yeah you could do worse yeah fair enough I'll definitely if there's a if there's another one I'll definitely go see it that's that's where this I'm left that's my final thought is if there's another sequel, I will go see it on the strength of this movie. Perfect. Perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio platform, part of the Dash Radio network. I Please take a moment. Follow this station on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Fun for Life Radio. I'm on Instagram at the Dana Buckler. And Brandon, last time we talked, you were in Instagram and Facebook jail. Are you still serving time? Bail has not yet been posted, sir. I will let you know. In the meantime, you'll just have to do all social media interactions through myself. So, Brandon, great show as always. Look forward to talking to you next week. Can't wait to see you next week, buddy. Have a good week. All right. And for everybody listening, we will catch up with you same time, same place next week. <laughs>